Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems around the world adopt technology with me, Tiasha Zaitz. After the series of discussions about healthcare data management in the US, we're moving to insights and good practices from the Netherlands. The Netherlands has roughly 17 million people. As you will hear, its healthcare is highly digitalized with high digital literacy. You will hear a short panel discussion which was recorded at the M Health Israel conference in Tel Aviv last year with speakers Corne Mulders, CIO of the University Medical Center Utrecht, Simon Vermeer, CIO of the Erasmus University Medical Center, and Paul Hillman, CIO of Maastricht University Medical Center. They shared their views about digital health development in the Netherlands, how their institutions approach innovation, and where do they see room for improvements regarding healthcare digitalization on the national level. Enjoy the show, and if you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast to be notified about new episodes automatically. Additionally, do check out our newsletter as well. You can find it at fodh.substack.com. It's only published roughly once a month and summarizes what's been covered in the show in the last few episodes. Find the link in the show notes. Now let's dive in today's discussion. Welcome from the Netherlands. Uh, we've got here Paul Hillman, the CIO of the Maastricht University Medical Center, Simon Vermeer, CIO of the Erasmus University Medical Center, and Corne Mulders, CIO of the University Medical Center in Utrecht. We're going to try to highlight a little bit what's happening in the Netherlands, how is innovation seen from the CIO perspective, and perhaps as an introduction to the topic, the Netherlands has approximately uh, twice as many people as Israel, 18 million people. 11% of GDP is attributed to healthcare, which is a little bit more than Israel, which attributes 7.5%. If we look at the innovation side, there's 2.6 times as many startups per 1 million people in the Netherlands compared to the European average. So as the first question, how would you say that that statistical innovation average translates into healthcare? Like, how innovative is the Netherlands when it comes to healthcare innovation? Corneille is taking, is taking yeah. the stage. I think one of the first things to see, we see a lot of resemblances between Israel and the Netherlands. If you look at a digital savvy country in Europe, the Netherlands is the most digitized country. Everybody's doing everything online, directly. Even patients in academic medicine, 93% of our patients are, when they visit the hospital, have used the electronic portal and looked at their EMR records. And they are all over 70 years old, most of them. So it's really, so I believe that gives a basic ground of a lot of innovations that we can do in the Netherlands. Next to that, we'll be coming into, as a culture in the Netherlands, and you have the same thing. We've been exploring the seas always. We've been establishing New Amsterdam, which is now called New York, traveling the seas to Indonesia, to Batavia. So 
we've always been exploring everything else. So I think from a background, we've, we've established Shell, we've established a small country. We've always been outward looking at a lot of resemblances with Israel. And that creates the ground for so many startup companies. I think I would add to that, that there's a, the Netherlands prides itself on building ecosystems. And so it's not just university hospitals, but it's campuses, technical universities linking with academic medical centers, environmentalists, Eindhoven, which has a huge technology boost. And so there's an availability of knowledge in the society. There's a, a, there are universities prop connected to hospitals in the same areas. And so that builds tremendously on the potential for the Netherlands. So when it comes to innovation, what are you still missing? What are you still looking for when it comes to innovation? I think what we saw in the last few days is that at least Israel and the, the situation here has a big advantage if it comes to the availability of data. So we, uh, we visited uh, several um, healthcare organizations and I think that uh, we all know, we saw also in the previous uh, presentations that uh, data is becoming now, much more important for innovation as well. In the Netherlands, we have quite a fragmented organization of healthcare in general. So we are still, we have to work hard on getting all the data together and getting the data available to, yeah, to fuel innovation. So how do you see that that's going to be developed in the future? On the one hand, we heard that the system is highly digitalized. On the second hand, it's really fragmented. There's even a competition law that prohibits the exchange of data. And here we are talking about the future of healthcare that expects care to be integrated among different centers. So where is Netherlands going in that regard? How do you see that? I think it's good for, for the audience to understand that Netherlands is quite a small country. And back in 2011, like a little over 10 years ago, we had a, a law proposal which said, shall we make one EMR system for the whole of the Netherlands so that we administrate everything on one place and everything else. And that has been fully wiped away by the politicians as a result of privacy. And we've been suffering for 12, 13 years already from this, this problem that we couldn't go there because not just was the decision not to go to one EMR system, but also politicians have then said, and you're never going to go somewhere in this direction. So as a ministry, you could never support any ID which might lead to this direction. So that means that for 10, 12 years, we had to be scattered. So we've always been struggling with new opportunities. And I think by now, everybody sees with the digitalization and data that we need to do things differently. Um, and that's when we may be making a plan. And that's maybe something, Simon, that you would like to Yeah. First of all, uh, we have a new government that is really thinking differently about these topics. So that gives real good opportunities. And that's, we are, as um, academic centers, academic medical centers in the Netherlands, we are, are working since a few years on regional uh, platforms where we can concentrate the, the medical records of patients we treat in network healthcare organization. That is not meaning that we get quite huge medical organizations, as I just saw on one of the slides, because that is not possible in the Netherlands, but of course we can do better in cooperating, especially when it comes to the patient data and also to, uh, yeah, to fuel innovation where we started the discussion. Uh, if you 
create regional platforms where it's hopefully short notice possible to, to store electronic medical records. We can also start to, to innovate in, on that open platforms and provide lots of new facilities, digital facilities for our patients. If we go back to the more optimistic sides of the healthcare system and the university medical centers, is there one use case or one technology that you could pinpoint to in each of your organizations that you're either most proud of or you feel like it's a really good practice that was implemented? Yeah, I think the success we had was where, so we're Maastricht Medical Center. We're at the very southern tip of the Netherlands and we're surrounded by Germany on one side and Belgium on the other side. And so we've built an XDS infrastructure to be able to move data across international borders. So while we have some trouble inside the country, we've been having a lot of success moving outside across country borders, which seems really strange, but it's true. So for transplantations, kidney transplantations, we are actually able to move data electronically, images electronically across the borders that way. And that's been a real success as well as being able to communicate with certain hospitals within the Netherlands using that platform. So that's been a success. And it's going in the same direction that Simon was just talking about. If we can do that, then we can also do what he's talking about. Simon? Yeah, for Erasmus Medical Center, we are at this moment in, 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 an, uh, in a program that is uh, trying to, uh, to optimize the cooperation between Erasmus Medical Center as a university medical center and the Erasmus University, which is uh, the socioeconomic studies and the Technical University uh, of Delft. They are for the ideas of the audience within a reach of 25 kilometers. So that is um, yeah, almost a campus uh, by itself. And what we try to do is to get yeah an an an, an innovation innovative community out of that of that cooperation that makes it a bit more easy for this moment already because the exchange of data between medical institute might be quite difficult in the Netherlands although we hope that it's come getting better in the coming months or year on this cooperation it's much easier and we hope that we can create a really innovative community as we saw here, good subjects in Israel today in the last few days. And Corneille? Where do I start? Uh, I think I can think about the 2030 of these great solutions, but there's one thing which, which has struck me as one of the real solutions where we had this cynical question earlier, and I'm an optimistic person, so I believe we can do things which are more efficient, but also ensuring quality for the patient. I think the example that I would like to give is... Um, a couple of years ago, we've we've done a hackathon. So we organize a hackathon once, once a year. And then in three days, we develop all kinds of new solutions. And what struck me was uh, one of our physicians who was working on the early born small babies. He told us the case. He said, look, you know what our problem is? Our problem is small children, which are born premature, 24 weeks. They need to sleep a lot to develop their brains because that's the only way they can really develop their brains. And what we typically do is most of our nurses who care for them don't really know if they're asleep or whether they're awake. So every morning at 8 o'clock, all these kids get a new diaper. And he said, is there no solution for this? And that's what we used for three days. We started an AI tool. So what we did is we typically we measure, of course, all kinds of vital functions. And from the vital function, you could, of course, derive whether the kid would sleep or not. 
And then after two days, we had, I think, 92% sure that a kid was asleep or not. Uh, we trained the system because we had a very experienced nurse who could train the system, so she could see. And then in three days' time, we had an application where now we only change the diaper if the kid is awake. And for me, that was where healthcare is about. This is quality of developing your brain for a little kid that's life-changing events, which we can change with IT in three days. And that, to me, was a real big success. Very inspiring. And this was built in-house? This was just in three days. So basically, we did an, uh, we, we took the data from historic data from a couple of years, and we trained the system. And then we developed it through, of course, so it gradually moved on. But we've implemented you actually opened up a really important question for the audience here. So we've got entrepreneurs and when you're trying to develop a solution, as we've heard earlier, it's really important to really co-develop it with the end users, but it's actually very hard to get to the end users. We all wish for healthcare to be better, but because of the workforce shortages and because of the just the workload that's in healthcare, many clinicians and just the clinical staff can only do what's directly in front of them. So when you're trying to introduce anything new, it takes time, you have to get the buy-in. So how do you collaborate with innovators? Is it doctors that have ideas and that idea that then gets developed inside the hospital and commercialized, which is often the case in the US? Do innovators come directly to you? How does that process look like? How much opportunity is there for innovators to work with healthcare institutions in the Netherlands? I don't think for us there is a generic answer to that. So we have got different models. So sometimes it's in-house developed and we get it on the market together with a partner. We get it alone on the market or we share it, for example, with the other university medical centers. So there's different possibilities. Most of the time, it's of course, it starts in the primary process, so with the doctors, we as CIOs with the IT department are not the start of the idea and we help mainly for um, yeah the development and scaling up. Some of us are also responsible for medical technology in our institutions. I, I am. I've got a lot to do with in-house development of medical devices and all the regulations. So we for the European part is that the medical device regulation, for example. So that makes life a lot more complicated as well. But we still, especially in the cooperation with the Erasmus University and the Technical University Delft, we will speed up that process and make sure that we, we learn to live with the new organizations. There are two things. One, we have an incubator system, but Brightlands. So we have a mechanism connected to the university hospital, connected to the Maastricht University that allows us to um, accommodate that so that a doctor can look with a startup and say, okay, we want to start something. Within the hospital itself, we have an, uh, an innovation group that reports to the highest level of the organization. And then I'm, as the CIO, I'm a part of that group in the steering committee of that group so that we can facilitate it from the IT perspective. But again, what Simon said, we don't, we're not, I'm not an initiator of it, but we support it. And there are mechanisms within that hospital to allow a doctor or to allow someone who wants to do a startup or take a chance or try something new to try it in a sort of sandbox mechanism. And we have then a, I knew it, a car, a car wash. Once we get innovative, uh, innovative ideas, we have a whole mechanism to make sure that fits in our organization, not going to create 
um, negative disruption. It's good if it creates positive disruption, but it shouldn't create negative disruption. And we try to filter those things out, but also plan them and allocate money for them. There's a structured design just to support innovative ideas for people to get them. But again, if someone were to come to the market to me and say, Paul, I want to develop this fantastic idea. I think I would just push them to that group and say, okay, here, you need to find a sponsor in this group to do that because that's not really my role. I would like to add maybe one thing. If you look at our mission as an academic medical center, we basically tell that we want to create the care for tomorrow. Basically, we're not in the, in the world. It's not our mission to do as many operations as necessary. We want to create the new ways of care for tomorrow. So we always emphasize to that, and that innovation only comes when we combine a group of people with different angles. So most of the time, our doctors, with all the data that we have and collect, together with startups, but also with some established companies like Philips in the Netherlands, we develop new ways of care and find that. And I think one of them trying to get one more in. If you look at personalized medicine, we've developed the small organs now where we can test medicine before on your personalized because it's from your stem cell. We make it. And from that part, we could test if the medicine is really working, yes or no, for you before we give it to you as a cure. So I think if you go that direction, I would, I would really encourage all the startups is come up with your ID. We have data and doctors and IDs, and we would love to work together because we believe that in an ecosystem of more different type of people, that's the best way for innovation. As you mentioned and described, the system is highly digitized. You also have very high digital literacy, high interest in innovation. So I still have to ask, like, a study in 2020 uh, that there was a survey in the NHS that showed that three quarters of respondents inside the NHS basically haven't heard or have heard very little about AI and automation in healthcare. So I really wonder to which extent do you see that, I don't know, your workforce is different or when you're introducing a new technology or a new solution or AI, how do you talk to doctors to gain their trust, to test a specific solution or to just take time for that? It's, do they get paid? What are the incentives for clinicians to do that on top of everything else that they're doing? That's what I said. We have a lot of doctors working for us who work for us because they want to invent the care for tomorrow. And that's what, hel what helps because they want to go on. We don't have a lot of doctors who work with us to just do normal cure. That's not right. in our DNA. Because you're research institutions yeah. as well. You're researching institutions. So by nature, that is the case. So I think that's why we probably, the, the biggest problem is there's so many small parts that how do we bring them on and which, which ones become successful, which ones do not become successful. Yeah, it's, it's one of the pillars of a strategic vision of the, I think of all of us is that we're there to educate the future students we're there to provide tertiary, most advanced care possible in the Netherlands. In, indeed, it, more exclusively, getting lots of operations done. It's to be that top referent hospital in the Netherlands, but it's also to conduct research. And so research is a pillar. I can say that for all of the academic medical centers in the Netherlands. It's a core primary business for us, but we're only eight hospitals, the total. So if you say... If you looked at all the hospitals and would say, are all the hospitals busy 
trying to do it. I, I don't know. I couldn't talk to them. I probably would say, no, they're pretty much trying to do care and do really good care and provide really high quality care. But if you ask, I think if you ask the population of the academic medical centers, I'm confident there'll be a lot higher percentage that would say, I'm aware of AI and I'm thinking about how that would apply. I don't know if they're all applying it yet. I wouldn't dare to say everybody's applying it, but it's on their agenda. It's one of our key in our innovation center and Australia. It's one of the three major lines of research that we're doing in data science and medicine. That sounds pretty amazing. So I really wonder, I'm assuming you don't have any work for shortage issues, given the how, how you described your institutions. So I'm, I'm going to be positive, like Renee said, and just say, no, it's all wonderful. No, of course, we. It, it's the reality of the world is it's hard to get competent people. There will work for shortages, <laughs> doctor shortages, nursing shortages. I can talk on with myself, but IT shortages, getting the right people with the right IT background. That's a reality, and it's a reality we're all going to face. The fact is that the Netherlands is one of the front runners in an aging population. So there are continually fewer people at a young age to fill the positions. It's one of the things that I noticed walking around on the street here in Israel. There are a lot of young people walking around here compared to where we walk around. It's that youthful new generation that does that because those retiring, those are the one, not the ones who are going to make this change. So if you want to talk about the difference between Israel and the Netherlands, that's a key. But that's also an opportunity. Right? Everything that's a problem in a place is also an opportunity for somebody. If you're young and adventurous and starting a company or initiating, a place like the Netherlands is a place where you're going to meet less competition because that population isn't there. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast to be notified about new episodes automatically. We also publish a monthly newsletter with the updates from the episodes in the last month. So go to fodh.substack.com. That's fodh.substack.com to find the past editions and subscribe to the newsletter. Also find the link in the show notes. Stay tuned.